0: Praise God. John chapter 15, verses 1 and 5. I'm going to continue something I had started before. But it's all how God is working on us in this season. Praise the Lord. John uh, John chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 and verse 5. Hallelujah. Amen. We all have it uh, to say amen? amen. All right. John chapter 15, verses 1 and 5. Uh, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Then verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you could do nothing. I'm going to say that again. I in him, uh, he who abides in me I and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Father, thank you for your word. The Holy Spirit, I pray that you direct our steps in everything we would do or say today. Holy Spirit, you teach us. Open up the eyes of our understanding because we really do need to... Um, flow in your will. Oh, we want to hear you. We want to hear your, your heartbeat. So Lord, direct our steps, I pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. So the uh, last couple of Wednesdays, uh, I was sharing how uh, the body of Christ is being attacked. There's, there's a, really an incredible attack on the body of Christ. And this is something that your brothers and sisters are sensing, not just in New York, but also throughout the United States and around the world. And most of us don't know that because we don't talk to each other sometimes. We think we're the only ones going through it. But the truth of the matter is we're all being pruned. Uh, God's cutting away from us uh, stuff that's no good for our future. And that's always painful. They've been able to identify in plants and shrubs and in trees. When they prune it, they've been able to connect uh, electrodes on them and, and when they cut them, each and every time you see a, a marked increase in activity in the tree. So it's amazing, they feel pain. It, it, it affects them when they're pruned. But yet, they, they are actually in a better condition to bear fruit later on in, a, in another season. And uh, you, I have a little house up in Pennsylvania, and we started getting a little bit into landscaping. No big deal, but just a couple of plants. We're learning a lot of different language about it. But they, have, they tell us, you have to cut this plant all the way back down uh, at a specific season. If you don't, the next season, uh, the old plants will strangle the new ones. It's amazing. And, and we didn't know that. Uh, we, first year, we, re- we were wondering what happened here. What in the world is that? Old sticks, and the new ones are trying to grow, and they can't grow. I said, well, you didn't prune it. I said, uh, English, please. <laughs> I, I never knew anything about that, so we have to learn the importance of the pruning process. Amazing. And so the Bible says that uh, Jesus is the trunk. He's the source. We are the branches. And out of him, life comes. And I'm very concerned because there's a move out there, um, and, and I, I think it's a very dangerous move of... Uh, churches that are talking about grace and I believe in grace I, I love grace but also it says there he, I'm going scriptural without me you could do nothing you can't you can't have salvation without Jesus yes, I don't care what they say <clears throat> see they're, they're supposedly getting it from the Bible not getting it from the Bible it, it, this is a, it's a pseudo religion it will deceive you because you think you're okay But you're not. It says, without me, you can do nothing. Salvation is in Christ alone. A rock can't save you. Man can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. And I know people want stuff easy. They always want stuff easy. But the truth of the matter is, is we're spoiled. Human beings are spoiled. We want our way and just the way it is. But the truth of the matter is, when you own something and somebody messes with it, you're ready to fight for it, right? But yet you want everybody to be uh, uh, patient with you. But when it's yours, you know, they will pay a price if they mess with your stuff. Isn't that true? true? Truth of the matter is we have to understand we're God's creations. We have to submit to him. He doesn't have to submit to us. Amen. I got two amens. Amen. I already lost three, three, three quarters of people here. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm in the right place then. Because <laughs> the preaching of the gospel sometimes hurts. Because it, it prunes our way of thinking. So this season has been a time of quick and incredible changes and exposure. Even, even in the election, Tuesday's the election. People are, do you know the issues? Are you aware of what the candidates stand for? I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I really recommend you look at their positions. Well, I don't like this guy. I don't care. Some people say, I don't like her. I don't care. This has nothing to do, you know, some of my greatest bosses, I, I never liked them. It has nothing to do with whether you like or not. What are the issues? Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're not electing uh, a pastor. We're electing a leader. Right. So you have to look at the positions. Right. What, what is your worldview? I, I need to stir you up because some of you will just vote straight Democratic. Or you'll vote straight Republican. I don't think it's that easy. You have to look at who you're putting in office. Because they're the ones that speak for you for the next four years. And then from a Christian perspective, you have to vote. I'm not going to vote. Well, that is a vote. Then don't complain if the candidate that comes in, you know, does stuff you don't like. You get out there and you vote, says Victor. (laughs) You have to vote. You have no choice. It's inconvenient. I don't care. Get out and vote. I got to take some time off. It's far. I don't care. You have to vote. This is your nation. Aren't we Americans? Mm-hmm. We need to do that. It's our civil responsibility. When, when they send you that form, it says you have to do jury duty. Oh, I'm not going to do that. You're going to go to jail. Right. You're going to pay a $1,000 fine. Yeah. It's your civic duty. You have to do it. There's some things that aren't fun. You just have to do it. <laughs> 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 oh, jury duty? You like jury duty? Yeah? The only thing I remember about jury duty is they put me in a really large room with hundreds of people. And you could sit down and read. And, and now it's cool because the phone pretty much gives you everything, including TV. <laughs> so you hang out. But what I don't like is when they send you into the jury room, not your, but, you know, the courtroom. Now you can't read. You can't look at your phone. It's boring. One minute is like an hour long. <laughs> it's just really, really boring. So I don't like that part of it. But I like when they keep in the room because at least... At least you can do some stuff. I have my bag. Huh? Grand jury's better? You are a rare breed indeed. (laughs) No, but it's our civic duty. We have to do this. A jury of your peers. We are the peers. So look up on, on, you know, I recommend that tonight, tomorrow, before you, If maybe you voted already, then you, you already did your job. But if not, look at the specifics of each candidate, and then vote, all right? But this is the point I wanted to make. The point I wanted to make is that here are the most educated folk among us. They are the elites. They are the cream of the crop. Is that the cream of the crop? You understand? So no matter how educated you get, sin will still find its way. Sin will, sin will still manifest, and it's always ugly. It has nothing to do with caste systems. It has nothing to do with your place in life. Every man and woman has sin in their heart. And it'll always come to mess up your purpose, your life. It'll always come to bring hate and disagreement and division. And that's what the devil does. The devil comes to divide. He comes to destroy. He comes to, to mess us up. He comes to thwart our, our, our futures and destinies. So we have to be aware of this. Very important. So you can see that even in the election, sin will impact every sector of society. It'll impact worldviews. It'll destroy a nation if we allow it. It has. Just look at your history. How nations have been destroyed because of sin. And sin is missing the mark. Sin is going against the solid bedrock of God's word. Do not murder. You know, do not... uh, uh, desire, your neighbor's stuff. Jealous? Jealous? The yeah, the envy. Yeah, exactly right. You know, If, if I see one of my friend's prosper, well, I'm happy for them. If my friend hits the lotto, makes $300 million, I'll be very happy for them. I, I'll let them know. I'll go there personally to tell them how happy I am for them. And then I'll remind them how kind I've been to them in seasons <laughs> past and how, how really good friends we are. Then I'll remember, uh, I'll remind him of the law of love and sharing. (laughs) See, I I won't hate on him. (laughs) Yeah. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. If you've been bearing fruit, if you've been serving God, you you know, let me tell you, God's going to prune you because he wants more fruit. It, It sounds antithetical almost, but it's not... True. The fact of the matter is, is when you prune, you get more efficient. You get stronger. You you, you, you get more sensitive to God, and He's been working on us. Who who have, who here has been feeling the pruning process? Oh, Amen. <laughs> Me, both hands. You know, yeah. praise God. So I praise God for that. And when I, I shared this on a Wednesday, camels uh, in the in the East, uh, when. You know, in places like Jerusalem, they have entrances, but they're very tight. So these camels, they carry large loads because they're the ones that carry the loads over there. That's the way it is. So what they have to do in order to let them go through the door, they have to roll away their burden. They have to remove all the stuff from the camels. And in certain cases, the camels have to get on their joints, on their knees, and this, they have to push them through. It's very difficult. But when you roll away the burden, then they can get into tight places. And this coming season is a very tight place for this nation. It's a very tight place for the church. It's a very tight place for you and for me. So God's rolling away stuff from us from past seasons because really it's not going to allow us to enter in into that place where we're going to bear fruit, in that place where we're going to be very efficient, where we're going to be able to give God glory and be a benefit to our families and communities. So He's actively working on us. Very, very important. God is trimming every... um, excess so that we could enter into our new authority say to your neighbor we're entering into a new authority authority. you know when you enter into a new authority let's say you get um, a promotion in your job or you start a new business it's exciting you know but what happens when you get into that new position now you have to leave stuff that you were doing before before you were able to get home early and watch more tv and hang out and do stuff but now on that promoted level now you have less time because you have to now devote more time into that new season, right? And then the other thing is some people get promoted, but they get promoted to the level of their incompetence. In other words, they knew this position, but now they got promoted here, but they don't know how to traverse in this new responsibility. They don't know the people here in this, in the fifth floor. They knew the people in the fourth floor, but they don't know the people in the fifth floor. You have to take another elevator to get to the fifth floor, Right? And you don't know these people, so it takes a while to adjust. It takes a while for you to understand that new season that you're in. And But with, with God, He prepares us first. So when we get into that new season, although it's new, we get into that new authority. Although it's new, we won't feel foreign. We'll, 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 we'll walk in authority. And that's what God is doing to some of you here. You're so used to this comfort. You're so used to this level. But God's saying, no, I'm taking you out. I'm cutting away from you stuff that actually will hinder you in this new season. I'm cutting stuff of comfort. I'm cutting stuff of being spoiled. I'm cutting stuff of habits that are no good for you. I'm cutting stuff away from you, even uh, the way you talk, uh, uh, friends that you might have. God, God is cutting some of your friends away because they're not going to help you. You know, it's amazing. Uh, some of the greatest criticisms I received when I started going to school and when I started uh, deciding that I wanted to do something with my future, some of my greatest critics were my friends. They got upset at me. I so, oh, Vic, man, you know, come on, you're not hanging out with us anymore. Who, who you, you think? You're big and bad? I, I thought they, would, they should celebrate you, right? But they were criticizing me and trying to dissuade me from doing what it took to enter into that place where I could be a better benefit for my future and for my family. Isn't that amazing? The friends. So the question is, were they my friends to begin with? They were not my real friends. See, acquaintances, hangouts, but see, the, when it comes to your new season, sometimes you've got to say, bye, it's been good knowing you, it's been good while I was here with you, but now it's time for me to move forward. Say, say to your neighbor, it's time, time to move forward. And what happens is, you got your camel, and you take the burdens off your camel, you go through that tight door, some of your friends have a lot of loads on their camel, but they don't want to let go of the loads. So, you know, guess what? They're not going to get into that new place. And this is what happens. They want to keep their mess, but yet they want the benefit. They want the titles but they don't want the responsibility and accountability. And when God takes you to that place, he connects you to a family, to a church family. He connects you to a tribe. He connects you to a people that he himself has called to be together. People from all different places, all different walks of life, from different languages. Today we worship God in English and in Spanish. You know, why not? God knows all languages. In the book of Revelation, it shows the people that God delivered, uh, people that no man can number. It was so huge. And all of them worshiping God in different tongues and different languages, all of them praising God. So that's what the church really looks like. The church is not a monolithic group. The church is a universal group. Amen. But obviously, in every church, you'll have elements of that, depending on the the, the demographics, depending on, on the pastor and leadership. Depending uh, on, on the nation that they find themselves in, you'll see different languages, but they're all part of that tribe. So God will connect you to a tribe. God will connect you in a place where you could give your, uh, release your time, your your talent, your treasure, your abilities, that which God has given you. You're unique. You're special. Say to your neighbor, "You're unique." You're unique. When God made you, He broke the mold. He broke the mold. <laughs> <laughs> so it's in that place where. Where you'll go through the sifting. It's, it's in that place where you go through your changes. So that's why it's very important you feel uh, um, a, a synergy. It's very important that you feel knit to the place where, where God called you to be. Very important, you know. We'll, we all go through difficulties, but difficulties are good because difficulties are seeds for change. When you go through difficulties, it, it helps you to identify, wow, I really, really need to change. I have a problem with this. You know what's the biggest thing you can do when you have a problem? Acknowledge you have one. (laughs) It's the first thing. You have to acknowledge you have a problem. The people out there, you know, everybody sees it except for them. You know, you you got a problem. Say, I don't have that problem. Leave me alone. Don't talk to me. Mm -hmm. They don't recognize it yet. But the day they recognize it, that's when they're going to acknowledge change. But what brings them to the point of of recognition? They have to hit the bottom of the barrel sometimes. People got to hit the bottom of the barrel. Because, you know, they don't listen. People don't listen. Today, I find many people don't listen. How do I know that? Because I'm a pastor. (laughs) (laughs) I have it that way. I have it like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. No, the truth of the matter is they come to me for advice. And when I give them advice, they leave the church. (laughs) Well, not everybody. Well, listen, I'm in good company. Because one time, Jesus, he gave some advice. They all left. And the only ones that were left were the disciples. Right. He says, you want to leave too? Go ahead, get out of here. <laughs> I said, who, am I going to go, who are we going to go to? There's no one that has words of life like you do. He said, well, Peter, God has showed you that. God has revealed that to you, not flesh and blood. That's right. So even Jesus lost a congregation from time to time. Because <laughs> people are hard-headed. They just want to do what they want to do. When they slam against the wall, then they go, oh, God, why did you allow this? So what are you talking about? He spoke to you here and here and here <laughs> and here and here people just don't listen but the wall has an amazing anointing to wake you up yeah yeah it's so true I mean some of you you're tired of hearing my stories but some of you haven't heard it one day I I woke up in the morning I heard a noise in my apartment and I'm the type of person that you wake me up suddenly like that you're going to get hurt because I'm not awake yet. I just, I just swing first. <laughs> so I heard something, and I was out there. I'm I, I telling you, I knew it was a criminal. I knew it was somebody that's ready to hurt me and my family. So I ran. I ran right into the hallway. And then suddenly, I found myself somewhere between Pluto and Neptune. Suddenly, I saw stars. I forgot about the criminal. I forgot about my family. I didn't even know who I was at the moment. <laughs> I turned on the light. Powerful revelation, you know. You could get around quicker, and you could see things. And turn on the light. I lived in one of these apartments that had these thick doors, like 100-year-old doors, and the closet was open, just like this. And I ran with fast to the living room, but I forgot. Well, I didn't forget. I just didn't see that the door was partly open, and I hit it like this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ding! So I passed I pass by Pluto. <laughs> uh, so I, I caught a revelation that day. I bet you did. Yeah, yeah. I just instantly knew stuff. <laughs> and that's what happens with us. We r- we run into a wall, and then that's when we start changing. That's when we realize. Now if I hear a noise, I still want to, you know, want to defend myself, but I'll turn the light on first. <laughs> So difficulties are wonderful seeds for change. Difficulties also link you to others. Because finally, when you go through a difficulty, you realize, you know, I can't do this myself. I need somebody. I I need help. And that's when you realize that. Because we're Superman until we need help. We're Superman until we realize, I've done all I can. I thought I, you know, I was good enough for this. And I realize I need help. It's in the place of difficulty. You're going to find your true friends. Mm -hmm. You're going to find those that will be with you in the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you'll also find people will run away from you. You know, you know what blows me away? What blows me away is that um, how come, if you don't want to hear it, if you don't want to sit there and listen to people's problems, why, you, why when you see them you say, hi, how you doing? <laughs> I find that's a hypocritical thing to say. You know why? Because we really don't want to hear it many times. Hi, how you doing? You should just say, hi. <laughs> now, the truth of the matter is, when we go through difficulties, we need those that love us and they'll be there with us and they'll talk to us and they'll cry when we cry, they'll laugh when we laugh, and we'll laugh when they laugh, and we'll cry when they cry. And that's what you find. You find that in the church family. Is the church family perfect? No. But God created this institution, he created this, this living organism so that we can grow together and we could represent Christ, hallelujah. Also, it births new relationships. because I remember when I go through my difficult times, I dig deep and I always meet new people that, that think along the lines that I do. So it's vital that we respect difficulties, that we respect the difficult times, because that's the place where we can grow the most. You don't grow when you're home watching TV. Uh Uh, uh, You just don't. There was this very famous lady one day. She said, TV rots your brain. (laughs) Yeah, this is a movie I saw years ago, I'm sorry. But the truth of the matter is it's true, it does. It rots your brain. If you sit down and all you do is watch TV or Videos, if you spend all your day on uh, Facebook. (laughs) You know what that is, right? Only Facebook people understand that. Some are laughing, others are going, what is this guy doing? You don't know what that is? You hold your iPhone like that. And Facebook is just one story after another after another, so you gotta... You got, you got to flick it upward So that the stories keep on going You scroll That's what it is But since it's your iPhone You hold it like that you, you go like that See So But that's not going to help you to grow Because what do I see This is the dinner I made today Can you deliver some to my house Is not working Thank you If you could deliver some to my house, then I care. If not, I'm hating on you right now. That that looks good. And I'm still at work, and I'm hungry, and you have the nerve to show me a literally a four-course, five-course dinner of stuff that I really like. I'm not very happy with that person right now. You don't grow with that. You grow when you're going through difficulty. I I went through a personal shift myself years ago, and it was during my greatest time of personal challenge and personal questioning, uh, uh, my calling God, questioning uh, me as, a, as an individual, uh, me with my walk with God. And that was a time where I was able to finish school. That was the time where I was able to write a book. That was a time where I was able to connect with, with some awesome world-level leaders. I, who would have thought? Who, or some say, who would have thunk? But yet, that was a time. That was the time where I decided to learn even another language. That was the time where I decided to uh, better my own language in English. Amazing. In the time of difficulty. Something clicks within you. And then the the stuff that God has stored in your deep resource, it starts coming out. That greatness starts coming out. But it only comes out in a time of difficulty. Somebody say amen. Amen. Somebody say ouch. ouch. Praise God. And it's interesting because if you remove difficulty from the earth, you won't have any friends. The real friends I'm talking about. We need difficulties to find out who are our real friends. And the last thing I want to say about that part is that difficulty, the level of difficulty you're willing to deal with, you're willing to broach, is the level of salary that you're going to have. Or the level of importance you're gonna have in this earth realm. Nobody understands what I'm talking about. Well, well, let me let me ask you a question. If your house exactly, if your house is flooded, who is the most important person suddenly? (laughs) If your electricity somehow just is gone from your house, who's the most important person? So the level of difficulty you're willing to take on it will determine your level of importance in this earth realm. If you have a pain on the side that just won't go away, who's the most important person? Masseuse, <laughs> Masseuse or chiropractor or doctor. They're important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They become important. You know, I don't care suddenly about Facebook. I don't care suddenly... I don't care about those things. The most important is in the area of the difficulty. So difficulty will determine your significance, and it will determine your importance in this earth realm. So we have to change our thinking uh, about what we think about uh, difficulty, about pain. Pain is another thing. Pain is your friend. I hate this pain. No, you hate what's happening to your body. Pain is just saying, hello, you have a problem right over here. Pain is your friend. It it highlights issues that you need to deal with. So it's your friend. Difficulty is your friend. Say it again, but difficulty is your friend. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And this is what happens: lack of understanding makes us go through the wrong, through the wrong uh, ways of acting and behaving. Uh, we get a wrong viewpoint, a wrong worldview. We have to get back to understanding. In all you're getting, get understanding, the Bible says. In, Ma- in Matthew chapter 13, it says this. The hear, therefore hear the parable of the sower. Jesus was now with his disciples apart. He had shared the parable of the sower earlier. His disciples and everybody else heard him, and nobody understood a thing that he was saying. They didn't understand him. So later on, his disciples asked him, they says, what do you mean by this? He says, well, hear the parable of the sower. Anyone that hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away that which has been sown in his heart. He had said that there is a land where uh, seed is sown and the flower comes up and immediately the birds come and take it away. They didn't understand that. Then he shared this. He says, the parable is this. Anyone who hears the word of the kingdom, which is the word of God, In other words, when you hear the word of God, a seed is sown into your heart, right? But Look what it says. Are you ready or are you falling asleep already? You need to understand this because Jesus said if you don't understand this, you will not understand any other parable. This is the most important parable. He said this, whoever does not understand what is being shared with him, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. In other words, the enemy cannot take away the wisdom from you. He cannot take the seed away from you. He cannot take what God gives you as long as you understand it. If you don't understand it, he comes and he's able to get in there some way, some shape, somehow. He's able to get in there and steal the truth that God has given you. Steal the the purpose for your life. He's able to steal that which God wants to give you. So say to your neighbor, I'm not going to allow it. I'm going to seek to understand. See, that's what we have to do in this day. We have to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me to understand what you're sharing with me. Right? Then conversely, it says, uh, at the end of this, in verse 23, he who receives seed, no, I'm sorry, 23, uh, he who receives seed on good ground, what's good ground? Well, he explains it. He says, it's he who hears the word, and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, sixty, and thirty. In other words, if we understand the thing, we could grow with that. We could utilize it. Uh, will be a blessing. We'll be a benefit. See, so, how many of you just loved school? <laughs> McDalia loves school. Okay, a couple of people. Some people love school. I hated school, but there were some classes that I loved. And looking back now, the reason why I did very well in those classes is because I was interested in the material or I loved the, the way the teacher was. Some teachers just turned my button on to learn. And many turned it off. But some, I tell you, there was this, and, I, and I'm not great with names, I struggle with names. But I still remember Miss Zakaluk. That's her name, Zakalok. I think she was Polish. But this, and it was math. I hated math. <laughs> and she was, I think, that my eighth grade math teacher. 10th, 10th or 11th grade. I was in high school. And she was able to break down math to me in such a way that I started learning about trigonometry, calculus, <laughs> Ugh. but yet she made it interesting to me, and I started to learn geometry. I learned the laws of geometry. It was 50 laws or something like that. But that year, I did like a 90 in math. The other years, I'm 65. I just, yeah, I would just s- squeak. I had to pass because my dad would, you know, he, you know, he would really mess me up if I didn't pass. But I was just nominal, just nominal. But there were certain classes I just loved. But the key was, I wanted to learn. And I find in the body of Christ, many times, we don't care to learn God's word because we're not interested. And it's not that God is not a loving God or he's not a good teacher. He's the best teacher. We ourselves are so consumed with other things that we are not in classroom. We're there, but we're not there. We're in church, but we're not in church. Our bodies are there, but our minds is. I'm sorry, man. Today, I, I, I think I'm, I came today with the sword. <laughs> it's not that. I just really want you to understand in this season, God's moving. He's taking us into the next realm, and some of us are just, we're just, you know, la, 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 We're just somewhere else, and, and God is saying, I cannot work with you if you're not ready to engage. We need to desire. The Bible says when you desire the word, when you desire him as you do to gold, yes. then you will find him. Yes. You will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. And that's what he wants, because he's a relational God. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Yes. And then another thing I found in Mark chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, he says, they, these likewise, still on the parable of the sower, it's a different A book now. I'm going from Matthew to Mark. It says, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the word, this is I can see again, hearing the word. How do you respond to hearing God's word? Well, these people, when they heard the word, they immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves. So they only endure for a time afterwards when tribulation or persecution arises. For the word's sake, they immediately stumble. Leave that there. I don't know if you got it yet. But let me highlight two points. Number one, they immediately receive it with gratitude, but they have no root in themselves. And these are many Christians. They come to church, but there's no root. They just come and go. They just like bramble bushes. You know what a bramble bush is? You ever seen these westerns? You know, it's windy and these rolling balls come in. No, say it again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> See, you, you, you take me out of my flow here. These are brand, they, they're actually plants. They're, they're, they're shrubs. But they have no root. So they're blown all over the place. That's how many Christians are. They're here today, they're tomorrow. There's no root system. But God wants you to bear fruit. But in order to bear fruit, you have to dig the root. You have to plant yourself somewhere. That's the only place where you're going to be able to get that life sap from the tree. And He is, of course, the tree. He's, he's the main part. He's the trunk of the tree. They have no root. Then it says here, so they endure only for a time. They'll be in church for two months, and then they're gone. Any little thing will take them away because they have no root. See, try, try to blow away a palm tree. A palm tree, you will not blow it away unless it's, I mean, a category like 35. Yeah, you, when, when, when persecution comes against some, you know, big storm, they go. And then, they, then it hits you this way. They're like, hey It's almost like they're dancing to the music. But they're in place. They might lose a little, uh, they might lose maybe a leaf or two, but they're in place. After it's finished, they go back. Yeah, yeah, because they have root. They're rooted where they're at. What's that? Amen, yeah, amen. (laughs) And it says here afterwards when tribulation or persecution arises. Why does it arise? There you go. You heard it? You heard it? It arises for the word's sake. You know why you're going through persecution? Because the enemy doesn't want the word in your heart. He wants to snatch the word away. He wants to steal it from you so you'll be useless. So when it comes for the word's sake, they immediately stumble. Why do they stumble? Because there's no root. Because when it hits them, there's no connectivity. You ever been in a train and it's really full so you can't get to one of those poles? And you have to just stand there. And then suddenly, especially the, the number six, it starts to go ding, ding. Hate it, but I have no choice, so I find myself saying, Sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> and then, of course, they look at you like if they want to kill you, going, excuse me, I'm not the only one. There's like 500 people around you, it's very frustrating sometimes. You know, but if you give me a poll, I'm all right, you know, it could be going I'm, I'm good because I'm rooted. Yes. Hold on a second, you're laughing. It's like you experience the very same thing I do. <laughs> Monday mornings, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, we need to be rooted in God's word because without God's word. The other thing is that in this season, we're testing, we're, we're being tested because of our value. We have great value. There's, there's great things that God wants to do in and through us. So you're going to be tested. You're going to be sifted. But the sifting is not to destroy you. It's to make you stronger. It's not to hurt you. It's to bless you. It's to strengthen you because the enemy's out there. He's trying to hurt everybody. He's trying to divide. He's trying to destroy. Uh, this nation is teeter-tottering right now. We're in a very difficult place. I'm very concerned uh, for the children and for the grandchildren. What are they going to inherit? Then I say, but God. God could restore what the enemy has taken away. But make no mistake about it. We have to pray for this next generation, for the babies. For, for, for the teenagers, uh, for the tweens, uh, you know, those in their 20s and 30s, man, you're inheriting some difficult times up ahead. But if you have God's word inside of you, when the tribulation or the trial or the persecution or the difficulties happen, you can stand your course. You can stay in place. Hallelujah. So if you read the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua talks about um, how Joshua, who served Moses for 40-somewhat years, faithfully, and then suddenly, God says, now you are going to continue this work. And you are the one that's going to bring uh, my people into their inheritance. Then he says this. Every step, Joshua, that you take, I've already given it to you. It's confusing. You haven't taken the step yet, and yet you already, it's already yours? Yeah, because see, when God starts a thing, he already finishes it. When God starts a thing, it's because he already finished it. Isn't that confusing? We started, and then it takes a while to finish it. But see, God already finished it. Then he tells us to start it. The, the best way I can describe it is what Dr. Miles Monroe said years ago. Some of you have heard it, but if you haven't heard it, I'll share it again. And that is, he made Adam, right? And then when he made Adam, then he put Adam's children inside of Adam, Adam's grandchildren, great-grandchildren, then the great-great-great-grandchildren, Then he put uh, the people of Moses' generation, the people of Joshua's generation, the people of David's generation, the people of Jesus' generation in his earthly ministry, the people of uh, Apostle Paul's generation, Ignatius' generation, right, Uh, King Louis' generation, and the nations of the world also, all the Chinese, all the Koreans, all the Africans, all the South and Central Americans, all the Indians, put them all in Adam. He put all of us in Adam. And all of our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-great-grandchildren and all the nations after us if Jesus tarries. Then he sewed Adam up and he says, now begin what I already finished. I love it. I love it. That's how God works. He he finishes the thing. Then he says, now go and start it. And so for us, when we read the book of Joshua, that's what God told uh, Joshua. He said, Joshua, I've already given you this land. So every step you take is already yours. But you have to take the step. What happens if you have refused to take the step? It wouldn't have manifested in his lifetime. God would have had to raise somebody else in their lifetime to manifest what was his will on earth because it was his will in heaven. See my point? So when you start taking steps, when you start seeking God, I remember when I started seeking God at age 15. Many of my friends left me, many of my friends thought I was crazy. Many of my friends thought I was just after the girls in the church. Yeah, no, they they, they told me, ah, you after the girls. No, 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 no. I came to Jesus. I really believe in Him. I love Him with all my heart. He's been so good to me. But they couldn't understand that, so they kicked me to the curb. But I took the steps. They didn't. So what happens? I move forward, and they didn't. God started forming me, and little by little, I became a member of a church, I I grew, I I studied God's word, developed new friends within the church, new fathers and spiritual fathers and mothers in the church, and eventually became a pastor. Right? And then my dad shocks me with something. Years later, he tells me, you know, son, now that I remember, my grandmother, his his grandmother, my great-grandmother, before she passed away, she told him, she says, the Lord says, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be just like me. She was a Christian. She loved the Lord. And God told her, before I was ever born, that I was going to be a minister. How does this work out? It's because you, before you were ever formed, God knew you. And he had already determined something great for you. But we have to take the steps. Praise God. Amen. Come on. If you want to praise God, go ahead. And this is what many people... Don't realize God invites them, but they refuse to go to the table. God invites them, but, you know, they get, they stumble when the persecution hits because they're not rooted. But God wants you to get rooted because there's a purpose for you. There's a great purpose, a great destiny. And there are a people that are waiting to walk into your inheritance together because part of your inheritance is connected to them. So these people, these 2.5 million people, Depended now on Joshua to take a step. Every time Do- Joshua took a step, they took a step with him. And you know what happened? They would enter progressively together. So the first thing about this is he as the leader, together with his leadership, had a strategy to take the land. God gave him a strategy. And as they did it together, they were able to embrace what? Land, vineyards, resources, homes. When you're all on your own all the time and you never ask for help, you'll never be able to get to the level of victory that you could achieve working together synergistically. We look at the, for example, uh, the, the election. And I'm not you know trying to pick one person over another, but ju- I'm just thinking as an example, because that's the industry I work in. Trump, he, he buys properties and sells them But he would never have that name. He would never have that huge plane. He would never have the mansions he has if it were not for hundreds or even thousands of people working for him and senior leaders working with him and him sitting down with multimillionaires and banks and getting loans from them. He works with people, and it helps to facilitate the greatest maximum benefit for him and his family. Is that all right? Is that safe to say? Every single millionaire understands that. But many in the kingdom of God don't understand that. And it's not a millionaire principle. It's a scriptural principle. Two are better than one. A threefold cord cannot quickly be broken. One can chase a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand to flight. So there's a multiplicative effort and benefit for you and your family and your community when you link arms. When Joshua told the people, we're going in this way. They said, okay, Joshua, let's do it. They were able to get lands, cities, uh, a dominion of entire lands because they did it together. So I'm starting to land this. Your inheritance, say say this with me. Your inheritance, Inheritance. your your future is tied to a people. So part of what the enemy has been doing, he's been trying to divide his people or God's people so that they would never enter into that unity to be able to conquer the levels that they should be conquering. Because one of the strategies he had in the Old Testament is Israel would move in mass, A large group. Millions of people walking together. Moses in the front. The leaders in the front, on the sides. They would walk. But in the back were the stragglers. Say with me, stragglers. Staggers. The elderly, little children, people that needed help. So the enemy would come behind and attack the stragglers. The elderly, the little children. He would attack those that were sickly among them. And one of the things that, that the Lord detested of the enemy was that very thing. He doesn't fight fair. You ever, you, in my days, in the 70s, we would do that. Best man win. Remember that? I don't, I, do you remember that? Or, do we even talk about that today? Best man win? Well, in my days, was best man win. I'll see you at 3 o'clock. No problem. Best man win. We would go out and we would duke it out. Yeah. pa 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 pa. Best man win. If you're on the floor, you're not the best man. <laughs> when you finish. But then it started shifting after a while. Because now, the person that got hit didn't want to stay hit. She would run away like a little, you know, and go speak to his friends. And his friends would come back with three or four more. Then they would want to beat up uh, the kid that won legitimately. Now it's evolved. You know, now they, they shoot each other. Just, but in the old days, man, it was at least fairer, right? But God hates the way the enemy Picks off those that are disconnected, those that are straggling. It's the same thing in the body of Christ. In church, there are people that are straggling, people that are sickly among them, or uh, people that don't have that same connectivity. They're, they're not actively engaged. They're not praying at the moment. They're not hearing God's word. They're not, they're not sharing their pain with others. They're not praying together. They're just coming, but they're almost at that point where oh, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with the persecution. I'm overwhelmed with the difficulty. I'm overwhelmed with it. I'm all ready to let it go. But God says, no, get in the mix. Don't let it go. Now's the time to get in. If you're seeing that in yourself now, that means you got to connect yourself. Amen. Don't let the enemy disconnect you because that's what he wants. He wants to separate you so that he could beat you up. So he could remove you. But the devil is a liar. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Amen. Praise God. This is not the... I guess my my top five sermons. (laughs) But there's a lot of truth in here. And this is what I really uh, sense that you need to hear. Because we're about ready to shift. After the election this Tuesday, I am expecting that there's going to be a long time of arguments and fights. Probably there'll be a battle for uh, legitimacy of votes. There might be some civil war. So we're going, to have our, we're going to have to have our A-game on. We're going to have to really speak love to people, and we're going to have to be standing and rooted until the thing calms down. Mm-hmm. The economy also might be shaken, because depending on what happens, the, the economy moves. I mean, at a, you go like that, the economy moves. So we have to be at a point, not scared, not afraid, but confident in God, yeah. allowing God to give us strategy. Because see, there are people that prosper in every or any circumstance and situation. Millionaires were made in the 30s. During the Great Depression, millionaires were made. Daniel served in what, in what regime? In one of the most onerous regimes. When the king got, got upset, he just wanted to cut people's heads off. That's the one where Daniel prospered, in, by the way. What about Joseph? Joseph prospered next to a pharaoh. And and during famine, yes, yes, everybody was hungry, but because of him, because of the revelation that God gave him, the strategy that God gave him, not only was he able to benefit him and his family, because ultimately his entire family came, but all of Egypt was able to benefit, and all of Israel was able to benefit. All of the foreigners were able to buy food because he had the wisdom to to store during times of plenty. (laughs) Hallelujah. So I praise God with that. And then the other thing is your inheritance and the legitimacy of your ministry is tied to mutual submission. So as we're connected with each other, let's say, for example, right now, um, we have ministers that have come out of this church. Right here, we anoint them, we um, appoint them, we set them apart as pastors or ministers. What happens after that? They go out with dignity. They go out with strength. They go out with a backing of a people, right? And so they are legitimately able to go out there with the full backing of, of not only just a congregation, but a group of congregations. It's the same thing for each and every one of us. When you're connected, your ministry has legitimacy. When you go out there on your own, I, I've, I've had ministers tell me, oh, I, I'm not under anybody. I'm not submitted to anybody. I'm not connected to anybody. So, yeah. Well, guess what? I don't trust you. I don't trust anybody that doesn't have a limp. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, there was, there was a man in the Old Testament. Was it Jacob? Yeah. Jacob, when you would see him, he would walk like this. But yet, his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. And out of his loins came out the 12 tribes of Israel. But in his younger days, he wasn't called Israel; he was called Jacob. In his younger days, if he had any issue, he was very quick on his feet. He was very quick to move away from stuff, get in trouble, and get out. And he just knew how to get in and get out real quick. He had a lot of smarts, and in Spanish, you call sagas. He was he he, he was uh, smart and shrewd, All right? Until one day, that's what his name meant, so planter. Until one day, he has an encounter with God. For that, you should have remained sitting over here. (laughs) All right. So one day he has an encounter with an angel of the Lord. And he held on to the angel. No, I want you to bless me. I want you to bless me. Then he says, you want to be blessed? Mm -hmm. Okay. In order for me to bless you, I'm going to have to touch you. And he touched him right in his hip. And immediately, he wasn't fast anymore. In the natural he had the mark of being touched by God. Jesus. So after he came from that experience, he was indeed blessed. But when people see him, it says, hmm, he's been with God. Mm-hmm. Now we can trust See, a person that hasn't been marked by God, a person that hasn't had that personal encounter, you'll see they're out there, I can do everything, I'm, I'm, you know, they, you see that they confidence, but almost rises to hubris. Yeah. Hubris is an exalted pride type of thing. I can do, I can do, I can do. But a person that's been touched by God mm-hmm. is... If the Lord helps us, we can do this. I'm confident that if God gives, you know, you could see it in their conversation. You could see it in their lifestyle. They trust in God. They no longer trust in flesh. They know flesh can fail. And especially for young folk, you young folk out there, you know, you're going to go through that same thing. You can do everything until you realize you can't. And the faster you learn, it's me and God that are going to make this happen. God being the chief, God being the number one uh, partner in this, and me being His junior partner. We're yoked with Him, but He's the senior ox, and I'm the little ox yoked to Him, as He really carries the big burden and I carry the little burden. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I said this years ago in this in in our congregation, but I'm going to share it today, in closing. I remember um, I heard this in Puerto Rico one time and it just really, it it blessed me. Uh, About 15 years ago I heard this. Whose hands are you in? Are you in your own hands? Or are you in God's hands? Then Then the person said this, a rock in my hands can skip in the water if I throw it just the right way. But a rock in David's hands was the end of tyranny. A rod in my hand might be an ornamental, Walking stick, but in Moses' hands it was able to part the sea, the Red Sea. A basketball in my hands gets me a game in my neighborhood, but in Michael Jordan's hands, it created many championships and a great legacy, and and the best underwears and T-shirts money can buy. I'm just saying. (laughs) It is a commercial. Fish and loaves in my hands are a fish sandwich. In Jesus' hands, it fed the multitudes. Nails in my hands is a feeble attempt at carpentry. But in Jesus' hands, it becomes salvation for the world. It just depends whose hands you are in. Praise God. Yeah, I like that. That was good. That was good. Hallelujah. So in this season, you're in God's hands. You're going to see a lot of stuff happen. Some of you are really interested in the election. Some of you couldn't care less about the election. Some of you are about ready to barf because of the election. But you know, we're in God's hands. Ultimately, it doesn't make a difference who takes the presidency. They're not our savior. They're not going to be able to do it. They need our prayer too. They need Jesus too. But we in this season, we need to be connected with Almighty God like never before. There is an anointing. I said it on Wednesday before last. An anointing, uh, a breakthrough anointing that exists in prayer right now. And as we gather in prayer, God's going to give us that breakthrough anointing, an ability to see deeper, an ability to rise up in confidence like we haven't walked in a long time. So people, let's connect with God like never before. Rooting, rooting. It's time to root in God. Ah, you know, when I get older. No, no, now's the time. Don't be a bramble bush anymore. Now's the time to connect, connect in God, connect in the place where God has called you, and start giving fruit to the Heavenly Father. When you do that, He'll give you more. You heard in the, the time of giving an offering how sometimes it comes with sacrifice. And, and Cynthia, I, like you, had a similar situation where we went through difficulty. My salary was cut like 90%, literally 90%. And for the summer, I only made $50 a week years ago. I took $5 out of that, and I paid my tithe. So I connected even there. But when I needed the job, when I went back to work, I took that summer, and I just dedicated it to the church. But after that, my family and I, we were able to move into a nice two-bedroom apartment right in Park Avenue. We got an amazing salary. And the person that hired me, you know how the interview went? The interview went, you're too young. You're really not the person I'm looking for. I don't know why I should even be talking to you. I don't know why I even feel I need to give you this job. Hurry up. Go take the job before I change my mind. That does not happen in my industry. It's not the way it works. I saw that with my own eyes. A man was compelled to hire me. You know why? Depending on whose hands it's in. You know.